Hey y'all, this is Anna. Welcome to Feminine Fidelity, where we are striving to recover biblical womanhood. Make sure you check out my blog, Femina Sola Gradia. I have a lot of information on there. I have pages on head coverings and on feminism and on women's suffrage and modesty and others. And It's something I'm constantly working on and adding to. Um, check it out. If you have any resources you want me to consider adding, please let me know. I would love to have more, and uh, I will check out whatever you send. Um, but you can find me on Twitter and on Facebook, and I have a page called uh, Femina Soligradia, and uh, I have my regular Facebook page and my regular uh, Twitter. It's under Anna Grace Wood, both of them. So, um, if you like what you hear, if you like what you read, please consider becoming a supporter of the work that I'm doing. Um, I am disabled. I can't, I don't work. I'm, I don't believe a woman ought to work unless it's absolutely necessary, but the truth is, is I couldn't. And I do this as a way to bring glory to the Lord. I run an Etsy shop. Uh, it's called Reformation Wares. Check that out. You'll find um, all kinds of things on there from mugs to shirts and hats and various other things. There, uh, Most of it is theological in nature. Some of them take a funny bent and then there's a few other things. Got a lot of stuff on there. I'm adding more soon. And uh, consider, like I said, becoming a, a supporter of my work. You can do that through Patreon, you can do that through uh, buying something off of my Amazon uh, wish list or through a one-time donation or anything else. And any of it helps and will be well stewarded. However, I know most of you cannot do this, so if you would, consider following me, sharing my blog post, telling people about what I'm trying to do. Um, send me ideas for a blog post or for uh, the pages or for a future episode. And um, you can find a page on my blog, Femina Sola Gradia, uh, about financial support. And there on the side are buttons you can click on uh, to become a patron. Um, when you join that, it, it helps there and it helps me here. Because I spend a lot of time every week working on this stuff. And I do it because I love it. Because I love my Lord. And I love my sisters. And I want y'all to have the truth. And I'm trying to get it all together and explain it well. Offer you resources for further digging and everything. So that you can find out more yourself. Share it with your friends. Okay, so today we're going to discuss Recovering Biblical Womanhood by Recovering a Reverence for Scripture. You know, ladies, we are a product of our times. Most people are. And we see through the lens that that is promoted to us. And sometimes we do not even realize that this lens is there. Um, 
I know that most of my followers are very serious about their faith, but this doesn't mean that you are seeing clearly through a proper biblical lens. Most churches, unfortunately, do not teach some of the things that the church prior to the advent of feminism taught. We have our comfortable sense that very few churches, very few pastors um, expose, such as gluttony, self-discipline, use of time, uh, anger, various other things. Um, until we begin to take the Word of God seriously, we will never un recover an understanding of what Scripture truly teaches about these things and what it teaches us about womanhood. And until we recover a biblical view of sin and of womanhood, of manhood, of family, then our homes and our families and society and our churches will all continue to go downhill. The foundation will be eroded because the foundation is supposed to be the Word of God. And so we cannot change or recover that which we do not understand. And so therefore the question is, what is biblical womanhood? And as I said, most people are a product of their time. And they see through the lens of here and now. Whatever your parents raised you to believe, or your friends believed, or your favorite aunt or uncle, whatever your pastor taught, most of you most of us grow up believing that, that we embrace it, we uh, support it, we promote it. Um, I was raised, I was raised by a very conservative woman who was kind of a conundrum. And she dressed modest. She didn't always dress me modest. Uh, I love dresses and she always insisted on putting me in pants or jeans. Or short shorts, sometimes halter tops. She didn't mind putting me in a two-piece swimsuit. Um, I wanted long hair. She wanted it cut short. And so there was this, this pull. She insisted I do what she wanted me to do. Where she was the mother and I obeyed her. And, but she really thought she was doing what was wise and what was best. My mother was a Democrat. She was an old-school Democrat. And as time went on, she could not see the changes taking place in the Democratic Party. She was completely blind to it because she really didn't care for politics. She didn't vote. She drove, but three of my aunts didn't drive. Uh, some of the other ladies in our small town didn't drive. Um... None of my aunts voted. Uh, this was something that, you know, women didn't do. Even though this was 1970s, they, they just, they held on to the beliefs that they had been raised with, unlike most kids today. But uh, she raised me with the understanding of modesty being sort of a cultural thing. She raised me with the idea that I should vote 
even though she didn't. I don't know why. <laughs> and she raised me to be a Democrat. And while she never would have supported feminism straight out, she didn't even realize that she supported it by encouraging women to not always listen to their husbands, by encouraging me to dress in a way that was more uh, immodest or even uh, a little masculine at times, cutting my hair. She didn't believe in head covers. And uh, because my father was what he was, he was a, a very abusive man, he was a drunk, he abandoned us multiple times, then he'd come begging to come back. Sometimes she would flee from him, he'd go find her and drag her back. He, he could be nice, just like almost anyone, when he wanted to be, but he was not a kind man, and he was not a good man. And that coupled, he was her, he, she married him about four years before I was born. And she'd had a husband in World War II who had, after they had lost twin sons, when she was very young, she was 20 when she lost these boys, he abandoned her when he had been drafted and sent overseas. While he was over there, he met someone else and he abandoned her. And so she grew to not like men, to not trust men, and she passed that on to me. And she made poor choices in men, I must say. And I loved my mother very much, but I did not learn biblical womanhood from her at all, in any way. She would not teach me to cook or to clean. She, she passed no skills on to me hardly at all. I mean, I could wash dishes. And that was about it. And so I grew up not understanding any of this. And, and I've had to work. The Lord has been very gracious to me, putting books and resources in my path back when I was younger so that he set me on the right way. And I'm so grateful to him that he did. But I had a lot of unlearning to do. And so I understand if you were one that's looking at some of this and going, I don't even know where to begin, neither did I. I, I, I couldn't understand it. And in fact, just a few years ago, about five, six years ago, I was, I, I was understanding, of course, a lot more than I had many, many years ago. But I really didn't want to tackle teaching them about feminism. Um... Well, I understood the dangers of it and everything. I really hadn't read a lot of books about it. I really hadn't delved into it as I have now. And so I really didn't want to tackle it. But the Lord had other ideas in mind. And so the more I dug into it, the more I was astounded as to just how much the roots of all of the things that are damaging us today you know, have basically the same, the same roots. They're the same roots. And it, it started when, well, let me just say this. The 1800s was very damaging to theology in general. 
you had higher criticism coming out of the Frankfurt School of Thought in Germany. You had Darwinianism beginning. You had the early days of feminism, which wasn't called feminism. They were suffragettes. And uh, it did so much damage, and it changed our theological foundation in every way. And then you had the War of Northern Aggression. Sorry, I am not sorry. I am a daughter of the South. I have studied this, and I know the truth about it. So you've got issues with that. You can look into it. Be glad to provide you some resources for that too. Um, but that changed so much because the North was more uh, involved in, uh, they had more egalitarian thought. They had the churches had become more leftist, more uh, embracing egalitarianism. As I said, there were more, the Unitarians were there, the, the, um, uh, the Quakers, and, and they really influenced Northern theology. And I'm not saying there weren't some good, strong Christians there, or that every church was like that, but I'm saying their foundation had already been eroded. And the South was still the bastion of, of Reformed thought at that time. And when we lost, we... Our theological foundation began being eroded because there were so many coming down here. There was so much effort to change the Southern mindset and to change what we believed. And so many of our good men had been killed. And then, just a few short years later, just a few decades, you had World War I. And that killed a lot more good young men. And then you had World War II a few short decades after that, and we lost even more. And the theological foundation was totally corrupted by that point. And um, that gives you an idea of how the theological landscape changed. And so the way that Christians would have viewed things prior to the 1840s. Um, and the way we view it now, even within the Reformed Church, it is vastly different than what they would have believed. And they would not recognize most of our Reformed Churches could some of them come here and take a look at a worship service. Um, well, we know as people, is we're a product of how we were raised, of the books we read, of now the entertainment we partake of, television shows, movies, of the people around us, our educational system, our churches. And we see everything so different than people did just a couple hundred years ago. And we need to delve through all of this damage in order to see what the church believed before the advent of all of this. Because 
if we don't, then we're seeing through a, a, a fractured lens. And the lens we see through is a product of our times. And just like we are. And our theological lens has been impacted by the theology in schools of thought from the 1800s. And as I said, that was during the, the century that produced higher criticism, Darwinianism, women's suffragettes, and which ultimately became feminism and women's suffrage itself where women fought to get the vote and fought for so many other things and and by the way no matter what you've been told the foundations of women's suffrage was absolutely evil I've got a page up on it I'm going to do some more episodes on it but you can go to this page on my blog Venus Solagradia and just start reading and I've got it backed up with resources and you can see the damage that was done by women's suffrage and uh, but all of this took such a stronghold on American thought life and on our churches all of these have had a strong impact that down through the years of what the people after them read and thought and believed and oftentimes the people in these centuries in these decades were not even aware of how their belief systems had been corrupted or how what they were doing were doing were the way they were changing how it would corrupt truth and most of us simply believe that which those around us believe and that which we've been taught, as I said in the beginning. And unfortunately, this leads us to believe many falsehoods and downgraded theology. And just compare the theology in most churches, even in conservative ones today, with the theology that was taught prior to 1840s. The 1840s is when early uh, suffragettes started fighting for the things that ultimately were, were named feminism. We, as a people today, were less serious, less studious than they were. We're less disciplined than they were. We have a diminished fear of the Lord over what they had. We have often questioned the straightforward presentation of the word. Uh, we are at the point that even when reformed churches, um, almost nobody wears a head covering, even though 1 Corinthians 11, 1 through 16 is in the Bible, and it very clearly addresses it and said women are too worship with their heads covered and men with their heads uncovered. It is a very clear, plain reading, but we ignore it. Why? Because we've been taught it's cultural and not important or not applicable to today. And very few people look into it. And we have been taught in a lot of churches that uh, 
Young Earth, Sixth Day Creation doesn't matter, or that the Universal Flood doesn't matter, and so many other things don't matter. And, and that's not to say most people believe that within the Reformed Church or within conservative churches. I know a lot don't. Praise the Lord for that. But a lot do. And a lot of our professors and those who write books and those who become somewhat of a celebrity pastor um, promote this. Like John Piper won't say or never said that I can find what he believed about Genesis. In fact, he said he had never preached through Genesis. And when pressed on it, he wouldn't talk about it. And so it's widely understood that he believes in theistic evolution, or at least an old earth, or some compromise therein. John Stott uh, did not believe in, uh, in a young earth. He, he supported theistic evolution. Tim Keller was so compromised in so very, very, very many ways. But he didn't believe it. He embraced and promoted openly theistic evolution. And A.W. Pink believed in the gap system, uh, the gap, gap evolution, the, the gap theory, sorry. Lost my train of thought for a moment. And uh, it's just sad. And we, we listen to these men and promote these men not even understanding how their views have been compromised. Now, I'm not telling you what to do or read there. You talk this over with your husband. But I'm telling you what they believe. And, um... So... You've got to look at what people believe that you are turning to to teach you. And because... What they believe will ultimately impact what you believe. Um, you know, women taking roles, uh, duties in the military, or becoming a police officer, becoming a fireman, working in jobs such as construction, things like this. Very few of us give a second thought to it today. Even though these are dangerous positions for women, women cannot do the job men can do. It's impossible. We don't have the muscular system. We're not... We're more intuitive, more uh, nurturing, less logical, uh, more emotionally driven than men. And we can't function as a man because we're not men. And yet, everybody bends over backwards to allow women into these roles, in these, these positions, in these areas, in the military, in the police, and so on. And it's very dangerous. It's dangerous to them. It's very dangerous to the men, uh, their teammates. It's very dangerous... Uh, because we're compromising the Word of God to get to the point where we believe it's okay for women to do this. We have ignored passages such as Titus 2, 
three through five, which says that, you know, a woman is to be homemaker and to love her home and to raise up children, to marry and to be her a helpmeet to her husband. And how can we do this if we're out there doing that? And so, you know, things that you need to understand this is that complementarianism, which so many in the Reformed Church have embraced, was a lie. It was a compromised position halfway through halfway between egalitarianism and patriarchy that was designed and named by Wayne Gritham and John Piper. And it was a compromise. It presented the husband as a servant leader and sort of the tiebreaker in the home. And it presented him as he's supposed to be, men are supposed to be the leaders in the church, which for a lot of people that ended up being, well, he's the head pastor, but women can still serve in non-traditional roles. Um has led to much damage to the church. Uh, The eradication of head covers was an attack on men's headship because it's tied to creation order. And now the National Organization for Women fought hard to get rid of head covers. And if it is not tied to feminism, why would they even get involved? You have to ask yourself that. And so all of this, sisters, is something that we need to work on understanding, we need to work on recovering, and we need to work on getting back to a sound theological understanding of things prior to the 1840s. Now, understand this. I am not telling you to go dress like the 1840s. I am not telling you you've got to get rid of cars and drive horse and buggy. I am not seeing any of those things. I am not longing for another error. God put us here in this time, and I believe that godly people are here for such a time as this. We have an important job to do in the here and now. But if we don't understand why we believe what we believe, and how to push aside the lies, expose the lies, and embrace truth, we're going, to com- we're going to continue to perpetuate the lies that the church bought into before and that has brought us to such a theological downgrade today where we're openly embracing homosexuals within the Reformed Church, where we're openly allowing as a society <laughs> all kinds of de- degradation. De- de- degradation. We are it is, we have trends, we have, we're mutilating children's bodies. We still have abortion, which is rampant. It's just, it has, yes, Roe versus Wade went away, and the babies are still being killed. And we have all of this, we have blatant immodesty, even in our churches, where women are wearing their dresses four, five, six inches above their knees to go worship God. Um, I've seen women going into some churches where their dresses barely cover 
anything. It's not, it's, their dresses are like two-thirds up their, their thigh. And I've seen women go into church with their back exposed, their shoulders, plunging necklines, uh, everything. It's immodest, clinging dresses, tight jeans. This is not modest, but nobody is speaking up and telling them that. I've sat in Reformed churches where a visiting guest preacher got up and blatantly taught something that was untrue, and not a single elder nor the pastor uh, corrected him. And I know I, I could not have been the only one to catch that that non-truth, but the man that we look to to teach us truth did not confront it, did not explain it, uh, what was the, was the actual truth to the congregation, nothing, it was never addressed. And that shouldn't be. And it's not my job to point it out, I'm a woman. It's not my job to be an authority over any man, nor is it yours, sister. But the men need to stand up, and we need to pray for men that will stand up. And confront lies, whether it's something like that, or it's the lies of feminism, the lies of Darwinianism, the lies of higher criticism, the lies of racism and, and critical thinking and everything else. We need men who will attack this wokeness that has descended on us and bring us through to clarity and truth once again. We need to pray for these men. We need to pray for men who will t return us to sound theology. And um, so pray, sisters, pray that our Lord will act, that he will honor our prayers in this. Um, in order to understand and to recover biblical womanhood, which is simply that which is taught in Scripture about women, about our duties, about our purpose, our roles, the way we would address, head covering, um, a man's headship, a woman's submission. Um, and we do this by re comparing Scripture with Scripture to understand it and interpreting Scripture by and through itself, not by and through... Uh, critical thinking, CRT, uh, critical, what is it, critical race theory, CRT, we can't, we can't look through that lens, we can't look through the lens of Darwinianism and say, it doesn't matter, it does matter, why, because God's word said it, his word says it, it matters, we have to recover this passion for absolute truth. I'm not saying be a legalist. I'm saying find the truth and stand on it. Turn neither to the left nor to the right. And we must avail ourselves of prayer and of deep study of God's holy word. We need pastors who will stand up and their hearts break over the sin in their congregations. And they'll preach to break those hearts further with the truth so that people repent and believe truth. They'll turn away from feminism. They'll turn away from wokeness. They'll turn away from Darwinianism. 
We need pastors like that desperately. Pray for that, sisters. Pray for your husband. Pray for other men to rise up and lead well in their homes and in our churches, in all functions of the church. All offices within the church belong to a man, not to a woman. We need to, men who will, who will not stand for women preaching. Who will not stand for women in offices or getting up and addressing the church. And believe it's okay because she's under the leadership of the head pastor. The Bible does not teach us that, sisters. We need men that will recover this truth. We need men that will say no to us as women who will say, you can't read that book. This this person is not safe. You don't need to listen to this pastor. You don't need to read this, this woman and her so-called theological books. You don't need to wear that dress or wear those clothes. We need men who can say no to their wives and to their children. We need pastors who can say no and elders to their congregants. And we need this, and we need this guidance. Please pray for this. And so, like I said, we, you and me, we have to avail ourselves so much of prayer. Pray to the Lord about these things, sisters. Pray to recover sound theology. Pray for men who will lead us out of the darkness. And pray for repentance for the church, for your family, for my family, for other families, for one another's families, and for the pastors in your church to be strong, the elders to take a stand that they will not waver on truth, and pray for other churches in your town or in your state, and for this country and other countries that God might be glorified by what we're seeking through our prayers. And we have to avail ourselves of study of God's Word. This is idea out there that women shouldn't study God's Word. Of course you have to study God's Word. You have to study it back to front and again and again. Read it and read it and read it. Turn it on while you're nursing your baby and listen to Someone read it to you. Johnny Cash did an excellent New Testament uh, version of the New King James Version of the Bible, of the New Testament. And Max McLean, I love his version of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Um, I think James Earl Jones recorded the Bible. There's others out there. Pick one you really like that is sound. And listen to it, or read it with your husband at night. When he's home, or in the morning before he goes to work, or however, just read the Bible and then read it some more. Love it, and read it, and love it, and read it more. And and start to memorize parts of it. Keep that tucked up in your mind, and in your heart. Keep these truths near you at all times so that you understand God's word and when you're confronted with a falsehood that you can see the difference between truth and nearly truth. 
Pray for discernment, for wisdom and knowledge, and for understanding. And uh, let your beliefs be informed only by the Word of God, and not by those who are not devoted to His truth and to His glory. Okay? Seek this. Do all that you can within your family to teach your children truth and to live the truth before them. And that includes every aspect. And so many of us, we don't even think about what this means practically, but, you know, don't, don't wear modest clothes around your children. And don't let your children go play with anyone. Um, and I'd be careful, let them in other homes anyway, but don't let them go play where other moms might be being modest. You've got to keep an eye on this, you know, and homeschool your children or, or put them in private school, private Christian school, um, or something. You don't want them out there uh, learning all these, these evil things they teach in public school. Don't let your children partake of that. Don't let your children believe lies. Confront them in that. Help them to memorize scripture. Teach them truth from the time they're tiny. So, that's about it. I've, all I've got today. Um, pray for your children. Pray for your family. Pray for my family. Pray for our churches. Pray for your pastor and your elders. Pray for the churches. And let's seek sound theology. Let's seek to uncover the lies that have come about in the last 180 years. Let's seek truth and apply truth and live truth. And let's always have an answer for those who would ask us, did God really say? Because more than likely, He did. Y'all take care. Until next time, do all that you do for the glory of the Lord. If you like what you heard today, share this episode. Let others know about Feminine Fidelity. Let others know about my blog, Feminist Sola Gratia. If they have questions on feminism or women's suffrage or on head covers or anything, I have a lot of resources and I'm always adding to it. I don't claim to know everything myself. That's why I'm putting so many sound resources out there. I'm trying to gather them all together so that there is a, a repository of them, of sermons and blogs and articles and other things. As I come across them, I save them. And uh, so, you know, sign up to receive updates from my blog. Sign up to uh, follow me and on social media uh, listen for new podcasts coming out new episodes and uh, if you can support me please do so and at the very least pray for me and my efforts and uh, let others know leave me a, a five star review and because uh, that helps so much too y'all take care 
and I will see you next time. Bye-bye, y'all.